this is that other sports show. Let's go. You gotta get that bang flowing, man. You know, I'm like halfway done with one. <laughs> I want to try it. I got to do like a peach, half. I got my peach mango. Oh yeah, that's the right one. Now. Right now, I'm telling you, I try and knock out like half of it, and then at some point in the show, I'll, I'll go back to sipping it. But I want to have some water too, cause you gotta have a H2O to mix it up. All right, wait. You do, you do. Do you do you work out on a bang? Fuck no, I take Ooh. fucking woke as fuck. I, okay, because, you know, I had a bang the other day before. I can't remember what I was doing. It was like a shoulder workout or something. Mm-hmm. Man, I felt like my heart was going to explode. Really? During the workout? <clears throat> yes. It was <laughs> super, super intense. Like, way more intense than I That's would crazy. have preferred. So, what I'll do now, because my gym, I told you my gym is fucking fancy schmancy. Yeah. They, dude, my gym has two different vending machines. One of them dispenses pre-workout by the container. So you can buy bucked up, woke as fuck, uh, badass motherfucker, all of the different flavors of bucked up. They probably have a whole row of the different styles. You can just buy it out of a vending machine for 50 bucks. Next to that vending machine, I'm not fucking around. They probably have 20 different style of workout energy drinks from bang to buck. So if you want a can of bucked up, if you can't want a can of woke, if you want a can of the other one they make, if you want a can of the woke that's designed for women, they and then on the next row, it's the all the C4s. And then the next row is like bangs. Red lines, the different red lines. I know you've had red lines. Yeah. So red lines are good too. So my red, shout- red lines, red lines will put you on a different plane. Fuck yeah. So this is why I like my my woke. This is why I love woke AF because a good heaping scoop of my woke AF in the morning is gonna hit me. I drink it right when I get out of the car and right when I'm done stretching. I'm about seven minutes into getting into the gym and getting just a good stretch. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to fuck the world up. Like I'm ready to lift the world right now. Let's go. So I I that's that's just what I like. I've tried other workouts and I've tried, you know, uh shout out Kenny Omega. I've tried the what is what is he he has? I, I've tried it. It's a the total war. I've tried that. I've tried the different ones, and I, I just always come back to to bucked up, man. That that fucking that uh, deer antler shavings that they put in that <laughs> shit, like that that shit they got Ray Lewis banned from a Super Bowl. That's the shit that I need in my everyday workout. Yeah, I don't, I don't have. I've I've gone through many stages of pre workouts. I've tried a lot. Uh, I even I'm sure. got. I even started following this company that does reviews just so they would, I got in kind of tight with them and they would send me like samples. I remember this dude. I remember this. So I was trying different stuff all the time. My favorite go-to is superhuman 
uh, by a company called Alpha Lion. They're actually out that's of LA. the fucking. I think that's the Kenny Omega brand. That's that's my jam right there. Really? That's, that's, yes, that's my jam. No shit. Alpha Lion Superhuman. <laughs> yes. So um, I'm gonna start googling these. So did you? So you? What are you doing now before a workout? And please put this into the show. What are you doing before? So you take nothing. You just go in dry. Uh, I have. I've kind of been like I've I've been uh, cycling off of uh, uh, the pre workouts. Be careful when you say cycling off. <laughs> I know when we're that. talking about the gym. Please don't. So, don't give these haters the fuel. No, no, no fuel for the haters, bros, yeah. bros and broettes. So, Nothing. so, so, what were you doing? What were you taking before? You were doing the samples, whatever was coming in. You were just taking until you ran out of shit, and then another sample would come in. Or yeah, for for like the longest time, probably like a good year or two, I was just doing good, sizes. Dude. I was doing uh, uh, stem, stem heavy, stem uh, like medium, no stem whatsoever. Yeah. So. Um, and then it got to a point where I feel like my body was needing more than just yep. like the recommended scoop. Of course. Then you it go went, to a heaping scoop. Then it you go went to a heaping, heaping scoop. scoop. And then it was like two scoops. And then I was like, this is the, the struggle up. of addiction. Yeah, this it is, is like, it truly this is. Like is. The struggle. So this is the same as I started, uh, you know, with no nicotine in my vape, and then I switched it to a three, and then I switched it to a six, and now I just fucking, I just smoke cigarettes on the rank. Like, that's, this is the vicious cycle. So you start somewhere, and then it just bumps up, bumps up, bumps up. So I did the same thing, Jess. And again, working out the past few years, at some point I went, I've got to find one that I'm not going to keep bumping the dose up, and I know... The one good scoop is always going to get me to where I got to get. And that's what Bucked Up gives me no matter what. I never have to go more than that little heaping scoop. But I'll even – and I'll even go like a Monday. I'll go, all right, I'm going chest today, so I'm going to go a little bit. I'm going to go a heaping scoop. And then tomorrow I'll hit some back, you know, maybe some back and buys. So I'll go a little bit later. I'll just go with that even scoop. You know what I mean? And then Wednesday I'll mix it up, do some legs and shit. All right, maybe my scoop's a little heavier. Come back to chest and incline decline on Thursday. All right, I got to get that heaping soup scoop again, you know. So I'm kind of going up and down, but I'm never going to one where you're looking at where you're like, damn, this is the Tony Montana bump. Like this is this is basically two scoops. I'm never going like that, you know. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, leg day, chest day, you got to go big. You got to go. Mm -hmm. You have to. Have to. Is that? I mean, how else are we going to be able to knock out Naganu? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Mm. I don't even know where that's because that, that sounds so familiar. I just uh I think you made I'm, that up right I now. Feel that. I made I made that up. It's time. Yeah. That was here. I've never heard that in my life. Are you sure? Monday night, four o'clock is what it is now. You will listen to this show at your leisurely time. Lord knows when. Thing to uh get you going more than another new episode of that other sports show. That's what we got going on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it is February the 14th for all of Jesus. you lonely, lonely people. I think you all know what day this is more than the rest of us. Yeah. Folks, don't be sad. We love Be you. Be glad. We're here for you. We're spending at least the next hour with you. We love you. Because we do love you. We have loving feelings for you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to help you through this time. Valentine's we love the Day. Fact. 
we love the fact that you took time out of your day to click on this for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or the whole show, however long it is. We love you. We appreciate you. Man, woman, or child, happy Valentine's Day. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. And to the rest of you who have loving partners, mm. happy Valentine's Day to you too. Yes. Enjoy you guys, the however, today. are going to be the ones spending all the cash today. Your your cash, your crypto, however you get it your, done. Your, what is that now? The new the NFT? Mm. We got your it all, NFTs? baby. You got it all, baby. You're, you're spending you're that money. Them. You're spending that crypto. You're making it happen. Ladies, you're sending your nudies to your, your yes. men or your yes. ladies, depending on which way you swerve. However, however you get down is the get down. You're finding that angle. You're using that filter. And trust Damn me, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. And men... Just one tidbit of advice. I said this on Twitter not too long ago. I I'll say really it to you afraid, right now. I was afraid you were gonna go. Here. Don't send no dick pics because dicks are fucking ugly. Women, you got beautiful bodies. Show those motherfuckers off. Let us know that you love us. Men, stop with the dick pics. They're disgusting. Just stop with the unsolicited dick pics. Yes. Don't just think because a woman is nice to you or replies to you on social media that in your mind that gives you the green light to send them an unsolicited dick pic. Have the courtesy to message them beforehand and say, would you like to see my penis? I think it's big. I think it's pretty. I think it's cool. I think it's whatever. I agree with Jesse. All dicks are ugly, including mine. Uh, with that said, now, if this young lady or male or who, however you're, whoever you're sending this to, as long as they are of the appropriate age, says, replies, you know, I'd like to take a peek at what you got going on under the fucking sunroof. Go right ahead. Send away. Send away. Hit that but button. Until Hit that button. you get that consent, please don't do it. Because Ladies and gentlemen, it. it is 2022. Consent, consent, consent. And don't get fired neither. Like people, oh, like, like you'll get like there are for every nice girl that goes, you're disgusting, and I'm not going to report you on the internet. There's a not so nice girl that waits for that photo, or I don't even want to say not so nice girl. It's just the person that feels like they're doing their due diligence and they have every right to go. Yo, I'm gonna take your dick pic and send it to your boss, send it to your mom, send it to your Facebook friends, send <laughs> it to who, whatever company you work for is boss. And I'm going to let them know this person that you consider a good person, just send me an unsolicited dick pic and I don't get down like that. And here's how, what I think. What do you think? Don't do it. Don't put yourself in that line of fire. Don't protect do it, yourself. Folks. Protect the house. Remember what Jesse said. Don't do it. Remember what we're telling you. Think no. twice, okay? Think twice. It's Valentine's Day. We're all and about we love, love you. today. And we love and care. We want to see all of you keep your jobs, keep your relationships. Just when you send that unsolicited, you're really risking a whole bunch. You're risking Don't it all. Don't do it just because today's full of hearts and candies and roses. <laughs> Don't do it. What else today is full of is going to be UFC 271 talk. Mm. What else today is full of is going to be Super Bowl talk. A lot of the Aaron Donald love is coming. I'll tell you that right now. Aaron Donald's loving life right now. You know who's loving life more? Probably Matthew Stafford. Oh. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Oh, boy. We got, at we got the end days. of the day, if you may actually hear 
for all you National Basketball Association fans. You might actually hear some NBA talk. Not promising, but we'll try to get there. Shout out the people who remember when we did our first five episodes of last season where we did a lot of NBA talk and we we predicted the entire NBA playoffs the month it was going on. We really put in a great effort to do hoops, and then we've just done none since. Now, some people will argue that the basketball season doesn't start until after Christmas. We are now on Valentine's Day, and we still ain't talking no fucking hoops. It's All-Star Weekend. It's All-Star Weekend. The real, true season starts Now starts when there's 20 games left. Starts Monday. Let's get it. Let's go. All right, Jess. So there was a UFC this weekend. Uh... Should we start with Roxanne? We said some nice things about Roxanne last week, but let's be honest. If you watch this fight, it was kind of bad. It was nothing to brag about. It was nothing really to spend a ton of time on. It was incredible to see her get in there one last time. But, I mean, you know, she pretty much, I think she lost every round, if not two out of the three. Jess, you have any thoughts on this uh, Roxanne fight? Uh, yeah, you know, uh it, it's always nice when a fighter comes in already acknowledging the fact that this is going to be my last fight. Uh, you get a lot less of the tense moment at the end when people are wondering, like, damn, they just got their ass beat. Is this it for them? Is it not? I don't know. Roxanne Modafari is a true, true professional of the sport. She is a, uh, she's a true competitor. She has the heart for the sport, combat sports. She has a heart for the people in combat sports, and she always gives everything she's got once inside the cage. Now, she obviously knows herself and her body well enough to know and believe that she doesn't have anything left in the tank as far as competing full-time. And this is, this is what happens. We've seen Casey O'Neill, who's a young up-and-comer. She's now 10-0 and 0 in, the, in, the, in the, her sport. And she was getting booed at the end. We all heard the tweets. Mm-hmm. We all saw the, the vids and the gifts and all the stuff that happens on social media. Look, folks, when Izzy smashed up Anderson, I was not happy. Uh, I wasn't happy uh, when Shogun got knocked out by uh, Forrest Griffin. But sometimes, you know, your favorites just lose, man. It's the end of the, it's the, end of the road. As we know, uh, as we we all come to that point, and like a true, true warrior, uh, a happy warrior, Roxanne Montefiore lost the fight, didn't argue, didn't complain, didn't bitch. She just laid the gloves in the middle of the ring, thanked Miss O'Neill for the fight, thanked the UFC, thanked the fans, and all the rest of the sports people that has had anything to do with her and her career uh, during these 50 fights, 50 fights. Mm. Amazing, amazing way to go out. Again, storied career. Uh, just one of those fights, as you mentioned. It's a, there's a reason you're at the end of your career, and we've said it on the show multiple times. Good old father time never lost. Uh, so I, I, I hope she continues to do something combat sports related, even if they. I hope she gets a in microphone. The I was gonna say, stick a microphone in her hand and let her be like a roving reporter. Let her be the person that gives takes on female fights, like the Din Thomas. But when girls fight, so she can give a perspective that Din can't give because he's not a female and has never been in a, a, a women's MMA contest. Um, in regards to another fight I want to talk about here, Jess, uh, you know, we put a lot of hype into our boy Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond. This, this is the guy. 
I mean, it's okay. You get into the UFC. It's okay to take that loss early in your career. Our boy Blood Diamond, he took that L early in his career. Should we say anything about the L that Blood Diamond took, or should we just move on and say we look forward to seeing his next few fights? Nah, uh, the 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 loss was was ugly, and all I can say is I do look forward to him coming back and going through training camp and and getting back on the on the bike and pedaling towards his next fight. Yeah, it, again, and it happens. It happens. It's just part of the sport. You're in the sport now. You're in the, you know, he's a younger cat. It's going to happen with these younger cats, man. It's all right. I will uh, say this. First time UFC fight jitters, damn, that shit's real. Blood Diamond. Yes. He lost his shit before the fight even started. Oh, boy. Let's go. He lost his cookies. I hope you're in front of a computer right now, Jess, because mine is crashing. Do you want to discuss the Bobby Green fight? Because that fight was a banger as a motherfucker. Uh, yes, let's talk Bobby Green. Bobby Green, I think that you and I both had him losing to Mr. Harpcurse. Yeah, it was a name we couldn't pick Pants. because we, we thought it was trending up versus trending when, down. I think what we were looking uh, I watched tidbits of this fight, not the whole thing. I should have watched it, though, because I believe I could have. <laughs> Bobby Green has, man, is he possibly the most underrated athlete that the UFC has right now? There's a chance. It's just weird. It's just weird. He's had this weird career where it's like the, the fights you think he's going to win are close fights that he loses. And then the fights you go, well, he's probably going to lose this fight because he's been trending down. He finds a way, a way to win. And this was just an incredible, this was a Bobby Green type of fight where my man just made all the mistakes and let Bobby Green fight his fight. I mean, Bobby Green was doing all the shoulder roll shit, all the shit that we used to see him do back in the day, the Diaz brothers shit. Uh, I mean, it was just all impressive as hell. Yeah, uh, the one thing that was super impressive, I think, is his boxing. His boxing. You're a boxing guy. If you yeah, his to watch yeah, it, his, uh, his his combat sports, his MMA style of boxing. He does that Mayweather shoulder roll. And I know there's not a lot of dudes in MMA that do it, probably less than a handful, but he does it really, really well. He's able to combine that. It's almost, you don't want to say it's a slapping style, but it's a, it's a style of, of, of striking where he's not putting all of his, of his pop uh, behind his gloves. It's just enough to tag you just enough to put some leather on you just enough to, to shoe shine you to toughen you up. And, uh, when he, and then at some point the accumulation of this, he starts to turn it on as you get into the into later in the round and later in the fight, he starts to turn it on and the punches and, and, and his kicks and his strikes and his knees become a little bit stronger. And that shit just breaks you down, man. And that's exactly what happened in this fight. My man just got broken down. Yeah, uh, Hack. I'm just going to call him Hack because uh, I can't pronounce anything after that. Yeah. Uh, the Afghani version mm -hmm. of uh, Kevin Gastelum. <laughs> uh, this guy, I think that I, I felt like he had uh, the obvious size advantage uh, as far as weight is concerned. Bobby Green usually comes in a little bit light. Uh, but in this case, it did him wrong. He gassed. Bobby Green did not. Bobby Green went hard for the entire uh, three rounds. He completely outclassed him on his feet. And when it came to uh, uh, going to the ground, he, he uh, outclassed him on the ground. Um, 
man, that dude landed 188 of 355 strikes. Bobby Green was on points. And yeah, this, the, yeah, this I'm telling you, this was a great Bobby Green fight. Like this was a display of stylistically. Nasra fought Bobby Green's fight, and that's the biggest mistake he could have made. He literally fell into every trap, and when Bobby Green wanted to counter, he could counter. And when he 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 just he led the fight, he led the dance, and that's why he won every round. Problem is, is where does Bobby Green go? And I, that's the issue Lord that knows. the UFC is going to have. Uh, that division is pretty loaded. There's a lot of fighters that are looking for fights still. So it's not like he can't get a fight. But he is, should be, is it going to end up being a fight that is going to benefit him? Let's remember, Bobby Green's been in the fight game for a lot longer than some of these guys. Yeah, he's, he's got not 42 your, fights. It's, he is not your dude who just came in two years ago. He's been around for a long time. He, now is the time that he's going to have to win over the affection of Dana and company to try to get a number one contender spot. You know, he's probably a few fights away still from a title shot, but he's going to have to yeah. do something. So his next fight or fights are going to be very, very important how he and his team line up. Yeah, I, I, I can't pull up the top 10 rankings in this division, but I would say he's probably going to be right around. I, he's And I don't mean ranked, but he should be fighting the guys in that 10 to 8 type of, of spear. He's not, he's he's definitely not a gatekeeper, um, but Nasrat's one of these guys that was up and coming and right on the cusp, and, and Bobby Green, I don't want to say beat him pretty easily, but he beat him soundly. Um, beat him. Her, Hernandez versus Renato uh, Moicano, I believe is the last name. Yes, Moicano. I want to spend a few moments talking about this Renato kid. This kid impressed the absolute fuck out of me close the show and then cut an incredible promo. So this guy did all three things that you want to do when you're fighting in the UFC on a main card. Yeah, especially when you're a young guy and you're looking for the big fights. You're looking for there, there's a difference between looking for money fights and looking for big fights. When you're looking for big fights, you're that up and coming guy. You're looking for an eventual uh, opportunity to have a strap around your waist by Dana White himself. When you're looking for money fights, you've already had straps. Now you're just looking for the cash. Moicano is looking for, he's looking for gold. And what he did was the trifecta of good self-promotion. There's a scenario here where this is how you promote yourself, by kicking somebody's ass and then getting on the microphone and saying, look at my coach. This guy's a, a gold medal winner. Look at my striking coach. He's this. If it wasn't for my team, we wouldn't have been anywhere close to where we're at. So it's not just about me. It's my team that got me here. Um, again, I was just absolutely impressed by this dude, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do next with him. Um, I'd love to see if he's ranked or, or where he's ranked or what they plan on doing with him next. But he made a fan. Another, that, another lightweight. Yeah, he, he made a fan that night. I, I didn't know a ton about him that night uh, that night prior to this fight, but he definitely made a new fan that night. Out maybe, maybe that's the next fight, right? Bobby Green and uh, Hanato Moicano. This is, hey, this is what the UFC does. They take two winners off of a card. They match them up five, uh, three months later. I actually, love, I actually love that fight. Let's do that. Uh, before we move to the main three fights, I just want to give a shout-out to the ageless wonder, the original Pitbull, Andre Arlovsky picking up another win. If you look at the record this guy's had in his last six fights, I believe he's only got one loss now in the last six. 
He is picking up decisions like a garbage man is picking up garbage off the side of the road. Damn, the heavyweight division is for the it's it's for the taking. I'm telling you, I'm not saying that he would go in there and mop up a two uh, uh, a Tuivasa. I don't even think that he would go in there and beat up a Derek Lewis. But damn, let's put this guy in another fight that looks good on paper, please, folks. I think he got knocked out by Derek Lewis. I want to be wrong. I, I could more, be wrong. At least one more. Give me one more good pit bull fight. I don't. Um, I I I have zero takes on this fight because I watched the Roxanne fight and then got in the car and drove to where I watched the pay per view. <laughs> so I watched I watched none of this fight and couldn't tell you if he looked fantastic or if he looked bad. But I will say this. He looked you, m- 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 oh, Jesus, That's a problem. That's a problem. They have Alexander Overheim ranked number eight in the UFC heavyweight division. And I don't think Overeem he even fights fight. in the UFC. I don't think... even fight in the UFC anymore. So, okay, if if the UFC divi- heavyweight division is this open, it's open. you've got a guy like Curtis Blades still floating out there, why don't we throw Curtis Blades against Andre Olavsky and see who wins that fight and then maybe have the winner of that fight, fight, uh, you know, uh, Tui Vasa. Or we, we've got to find a way to bring some new blood or bring something to this heavyweight division because outside of Tui Vasa now, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. I, I, I said it last show and I'm going to keep saying it. I don't think we're getting Naganu back. So now is the time to make a star like our boy Cole Chandler. And this is why, credit and kudos to the UFC, they went, hey, now was the best time for us to do an ultimate fighter and throw a bunch of heavyweights in a house and put them on a reality show and hope that one of them blows up and can kind of be our next big star. Um, but I, again, I, I, I don't know what they do with Arlowski, but he, he's in the mix. And like you said, we said it last week, if he gets a win here, he's going to be on a unique winning streak. And now he is officially on a unique winning streak. So we'll see what they do with him. All right, let's move on. I love my boy Andre, though. Just <laughs> hey, I'm a hey. Come oh, on now. Uh, I, I love who uh, doesn't love the pit bull. We're talking real. He's a borderline uh, NHB guy. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was fighting in the 2002s and 2003s on these UFC cards. I believe. Yeah, I can't remember. I thought <laughs> I thought his career started in 2005. No, are you sure? I, I could have swear I saw this fucker fight in 2002. He could have been fighting pre. UFC 2005, but I believe his UFC career started in 2005. His, uh, his first run, I believe. His- wasn't he in, he was in the mix with Tim Sylvia when Tim Sylvia was the UFC champion and saying, I can beat Noguera, I can beat Fedor, I can beat all these guys. So I, I could be wrong, but I think Olowski was in that 2002-2003 mix because that's when he was having uh-huh. those fights with Tim Sylvia. Um, Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier. This was an interesting fight, just as we predicted here. Yeah, uh, to me, the only thing that stood out in this fight was what the hell was wrong with Derek Bronson? I mean, well, he, he won the first round. I thought that he, he, I thought that he won the first round, and I thought that he was winning the second round. I'm pretty sure he was winning the second round, and uh, Cannoneer just was able to get into these weird exchanges with them, and I. It's weird because you know sometimes we've we've seen Brunson in so many fights on television on in the UFC that there's times you look at him and you go, well, he's just tired, but that's the way he looks. Like I've seen him tired, but he's still Maybe. gonna he's still gonna grapple this guy for another four or five minutes. He's gonna get a second a second win here and grapple this guy and 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 win this fight. 
And there was a unique exchange somewhere there at the end of the second round where both guys were tired. Both guys were, you know, taking those, those deep breaths. And, I mean, it's all over the internet. Cannoneer just hits him with a short elbow, and it was right on the temple. It was perfectly placed. It was in that short space where you want to throw that short elbow to have that that great impact. And uh, it rang Brunson's bell, something fierce. It was plus. He, he stumbled around for a second, and then it's one of those things where it's like, Cannoneer's throwing strikes, and none of them is really landing clear. He threw a, a big left hook in there. It kind of smacks him on the back. It smacks Brunson on the back of the head, and it's like, it's not the kind of punch that puts him away. And then he's just, Brunson's kind of flailing. And at that moment, we're realizing, okay, is this Brunson tired? Is it fatigue? Or is he just hurt? And then Kennedy just kind of kind of throws him. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a, I don't even know if you'd describe it as a trip takedown, but he just kind of finds a way to get him on the mat, drops him, and he lands on him and just drops these fucking fierce bombs. And the first one he hits him with, I mean, you saw Brunson's lights go right out. You just see his lights go right the yeah. fuck out. And he hits him with the second one. And I don't know if the lights came back on at that moment or or what happens. But kudos to the ref. And the refs did a great job in the Renato fight in recognizing that Alexander Hernandez was in trouble. And they stopped it at, at a good time. It wasn't too early. It wasn't too late. And the same here with Brunson, where that referee looked right down at Brunson and went, oh, shit, his lights are out. I got to stop this fight. And I think I think Cannonier might have landed a second one um, just because the referee wasn't able to get in there fast there, enough. There but was two, two clean, the first one was the one unprotected that put him out. shots. The first one was the one that put him out. Because yeah. I'm telling you, if you watch the replay, Jess, there's not a clean, definitive knockdown blow where you go, oh, shit, he just dropped him. This isn't like... Uh, Henderson Bisping. This is a scenario where they're just kind of sloppily. He just goes down and fucking Cannoneer just lands a perfect elbow in a, and it just happens so quickly. And he's just fucking out. And then yeah. again, credit to the ref for hopping right in. Cause the second one, by the time that he's landing the second one, you can see the refs hopping in there going, Oh shit, this guy's out. Yeah. And uh, let's not forget people. Cannoneer at one point in time was a hit. <laughs> okay. And I firmly believe that he still carries heavyweight strength with him. It may not be what it was, but he was also never the biggest heavyweight, but he was a big man. He fought in the heavyweight division. He's moved down like three different divisions. And now here he is just in the middleweight division, which I think is, is just perfect for him. He's carrying all that size and all, and that, all that strength and all that power and, and that and, pop. And like you said, that trip takedown was more of a – I'm a big, strong fucking man, and I'm and I know that you're hurt, so I'm just gonna throw your ass on the ground. That's it. That's and, what it was. And just something else with Jared coming down in weight. That means the last four or five years he's trained against heavyweights. He's been sparring against heavyweights. Everyone he's been working with has probably been bigger than him size wise and strength wise. So we're so used to Brunson being the stronger dude in these matches that this was the one time where it's like, oh, can here. Actually, even if Brunson is getting them, he's not really he's not really getting them. He's not controlling them or dominating them or just fucking grapple fucking them. Um, so now I'm looking at Cannoneer's uh, what he's got going on here. Uh, last five fights, uh, he knocked out Anderson Silva. He knocked out Hermanson. 
he lost to Whitaker on a decision, and I remember that fight. That was a rel- It wasn't a close fight, but it wasn't a terrible fight. Uh, he knocked. He, he beat Gaslam in a close, and that wasn't a close fight. I thought that Kenny won most of those rounds, and he hurt him in that fight. And now he's knocked out Brunson. So I mean, I you know you. It's question, a good. It's a good resume. It's not bad. It's 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 a. I should be fighting for the championship resume. And my assumption, if I didn't say it last week, was when Brunson wins this fight, he's right in line for Israel if Israel wins the Robert fight. And here we are. Cannoneer just took that took that spot, in my opinion. So uh, I know it was asked on our Twitter handle, at TeamToss21, what's next for uh, Cannoneer? And my answer is it's Israel. That's the fight you got to make right there. That almost feels like the no-brainer. And Israel even called him out. Now, we'll talk about that fight when we get to the Israel fight because I got some, some thoughts on, on that fight as well. Um, any other thoughts here on this fight, Jess? My only thought is this. Cannoneer is trending up. I still believe that Brunson is not yet trending down. I believe that he's still got plenty in the tank. Yeah, but he doesn't want to fight anymore, Jess. That, one stat that I want to throw out for Derek Brunson, he is a wrestler at heart. 13 takedown attempts. All but three stuffed by Jared Cannonier. When you're attempting 13 fucking attempts at taking somebody down and you can only get them down three times, that is a lot of expended energy. Fucking A. Which could have also led to his tad bit of a letdown energy-wise late in the third. So, I, uh, I, I feel bad for Brunson. I understand he's looking at it from his career perspective and going – you know, I got one more fight and I'm fucking good. I, I'm done fighting. And the the um, the selfish fight fan, just like the selfish football fan that hopes Aaron Donald doesn't retire because he's so great. Better not. The, the selfish uh, fight fan in me does not want to see Brunson go away. No, I don't. Uh, I agree with that. Derek, Derek Lewis versus Tui, Tui Avasa, Tui Shui. We said it on this show last week. I feel like that's a reoccurring angle in the first 30 minutes of recording here. But we said this is a 50-50 fight. It's going to be a banger, and it could be a scenario where someone just lands a big shot and it changes the whole fight. Um, This was a little bit different. Um, There was a moment where Black Beast was landing all the fucking heavy shots on Tui, and I have no idea. And I know Tui said it. Well, I I sparred against Mark Hunt for so many years. You, You tend to get a granite chin. But, I mean, there's a moment in this fight where Black Beast has him pinned against the cage and he is just fucking pounding on Tui Vasa. And Tui Vasa survived that. And I looked at my buddy, Brian, shout out B Black 559, and I said, that could be a fight-changing moment right there. Yeah, Derek Lewis definitely had the advantage in that first round. Uh, I would say that he won the first round. Uh, he looked very impressive. He, he looked... He, he looked was wrestling. Cool. He was wrestling. He looked more calm, which we've actually seen in his last fight also. His last fight, he, he looked calmer in the cage, which was something that normally Black Beast comes out and he's just full of that energy. He comes out, he lays it all out there in that first three to five minutes, and then he's expended. The uh, last few fights, taking his time. He's tried to pick his punches. He's tried to pick his shots. He's done well over his last couple fights of doing that. He did that very, very well in the first round against Tuivasa. Uh, it was the second round, obviously, that, that was the game changer. And it was just uh, two big hosses just laying leather down. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that it was Tuivasa that his leather landed the hardest at, the, at that point in time in the fight. 
And it was, uh, man, I don't think, I mean, Black Beast, I think he's only been finished once before this fight. By gone. And, and uh, this, however, I feel was, this was about as definitive as you can get in a heavyweight fight. Jess, I tweeted it, and I, I want to put it back out here. Um, I, some of my friends have fought hometown fights, and they've discussed how difficult it is when you're fighting a hometown fight. This is the second hometown fight, a Houston fight, Houston native, that Black Beast has lost, and he's been knocked out in two of these now. Oh, and two. Is it time for him to stop fighting in Houston? Here's the thing. I said it last week on the show. Oh. Black Beast loves being in front of his hometown, his home crowd, the fans. They know him. He's trained around a bunch of them. He's probably been at hit their barbecues, whether mm-hmm. invited or not, because that boy loves to eat. Obviously. Does whatever he wants. But I also feel like there's this little bit of a, I don't want to go fight in Japan, or I don't want to go fight in Ireland, or I don't want to go fight in North Dakota. In <laughs> Derek Lewis, I, I believe that he likes to keep it simple. He likes to keep it close. He doesn't really like to travel all that much. If you look at the fights that he's had. There, uh, there, there might be some regional had, sponsorships, too, that might be involved. Even though he's had better outcomes in other places, obviously, being 0-2 in Houston, uh, I, I, I think that he's going to try to keep it as close to the area as possible. I just think that there's a bit of, I don't want to call it laziness, but just that homebody feel for Derek Lewis. I just think it's, it's just, you know, and again, having conversations with fighters and they say, you know, it's a pain in the ass. It's a day before a weigh-in and my uncle's calling me and saying, you know, my aunt needs tickets. And she paid for my boxing classes when I was 12. Um, it's just that type of shit, those phone calls that you get that nobody knows about that fighters got to deal with. That I wonder if that's shit that he just has to deal with in Houston. Like, and I hope I'm wrong. Who knows? I mean, again, circle back around here. This was just a... Uh, Derek Lewis fucking really went hard in this fight. He wrestled his ass off. He won the first round. He looked good. Like, it felt like he was on the way to winning this fight. He put Tui in, a, in an incredibly awkward position. And then they just got into that fucking big hosses exchange of fire. And Tui caught him with a short forearm. There's that short forearm again, making noise in a fight, being a game changer. And uh, man, Black Beast just dropped like a fucking sack of bricks. Like the oblique kick that John Jones has perfected, the short elbow, short forearm is very, very damaging. And it doesn't need to come from all the way back. You don't have to wind that bitch up and throw it. You can just Mm -mm. hammer it down, literally like a sledgehammer coming down on somebody. And if you hit them anywhere in the forehead from the temple to the back of the head area, there's that big of a possibility of them going lights out quick. And, and that's what happened to Derek Lewis. Your forearm's always going to be bigger in your fist and the shorter, uh, in a shorter area, you're always going to want to throw that your elbows always pointier as well. Um, I don't know what they do next with Tui other than what I said last week. Do not well, be surprised. Listeners do not be surprised if you see him versus gone in like May or June fighting for the intern belt. That's it. I'm just leaving it at that. Tuivasa has basically been deemed the number three heavyweight in the UFC now after that fight. That's what Bisping was talking about. That's what DC was talking about. 
That's what all the other uh, UFC punches. So Ngannou is two, and and Naganu's one. So Naganu, gone, Tui. All right. So then there it is. The fight there books it itself. And and for uh, for Black Beast, this is not the end of his road, because as I mentioned earlier, the UFC heavyweight division is short. Like Spud Web short. Let me throw. You can win. You can you can lose this fight, come back and win your next, and still be in a title the title shot area. I'm gonna throw two fights at you for Derek Lewis. Are you ready? Do it. Your boy Arlovsky. I mean, that's that's one fight. I love that fight. You ready for another one? Let's hear it. What's Stipe doing? That's a terrible fight. I mean, it's a great fight for Stipe. At some point, Stipe's got to come back. At some point, Derek, at some point, they're gonna look at Derek Lewis and go, "All right, man, you're at the top of the division. You're gonna be fighting top three or top five guys because you are a top three to top five guy." Here's Stipe. That's that's how that division rolls. They can't they can't trend down and give him a bum. They got to either give him Andre because Andre's trending up and on a winning streak, or you give him fucking Stipe. Because Stipe's been on, on a layoff for a year and a half. Here's here's what I love about the Andre fight. And this is just me pushing for Andre again. Of course. Because because my my like I said before I tweeted it out, my new my new balances are showing right now. It's okay. This, this is me right now. The Andre <laughs> fight versus Black Beast. You got Pitbull Black Beast, right? Mm-hmm. Andre has done nothing spectacular over his last probably 10 fights. Okay. Even more. But he's won five out of his last six which has to put him somewhere in some sort of mix. Black Beast is coming off of a loss to a guy who is maybe a spot ahead, maybe a spot below, depending on where you want to put coming him. Up, coming off two losses in a row. And now two losses in a row. You, you, for, if you're a Black Beast fan, you say, let's have him fight Andre. It's an easy win. Andre's got a glass chin. Black Beast's going to put him to sleep. It's going to look good. Everybody's going to be back on his hot balls. And then he can move back forward in the rankings and fight somebody okay. else like a steep A. A steep A wants to come back. Or uh, the big, tall Russian guy whose name is, is Volkov. Volkov. He uh, knocked Volkov out in the last minute like, of the round. Something All like these that would fights are going to come if, back around, though. That's how if, the heavyweight Andre, division works. If Andre wins, whether it's a vicious knockout, or he just drags the fight out for three rounds and somehow escapes with another weird-ass win. Now you're looking at Andre Arlovsky bringing back into his old-school ways and saying, hey, man, I got the fang mouthpiece still. Yeah. So back to classics. It's literally a win-win for fans. You either get Black Beast knocking Andre out and then continuing his upward trend. He's back. He's back. Everybody's good. That's going to be the story. Black Beast is back. Or Andre wins, and he's bringing the past forward. Biggest the resurrection. It's a Shogun resurrection. It's a Randy Couture resurrection. Yes. It's a good stories. Yes. Good stories. What do we love? What do Americans love? A redemption story. Yeah. Lots, uh, of Israel, lots of different ways that, that right? uh, both like, those like, fighters Like Matthew come. Stafford. We love a redemption story. Yes. Um, Israel Asadiania. Asadiania. Versus Robert Whitaker. This fight was fun. It was not mid. I'm not going to call this fight mid, although I almost did. Just give me some thoughts on this fight. Uh, this is one of those styles makes fights. And I don't believe... If these two guys fought 10 times, Robert Whitaker, I think, could probably pull out one of those 10. I was going to say two. 
You know what's great about what you just said right now, Jess? Is that comparison that you made is the same comparison I've been making all morning with the Rams and the Bengals. I think if they played 10 times, I think the Rams win eight times. 1,000%. Okay. I agree with that fully. So, Jess, you've got a pulse on hashtag MMA Twitter. Did you see a lot of people saying they thought Robert won this fight? I actually did. And uh, is, it just the, is, it, is it the trendy thing to say? I, I have different scorecards than other scorecards. Is it the trendy thing to say, well, Israel didn't dominate that round like he did three years ago when he fought Robert the first time? Therefore, that's Robert's round. Because I don't, I was trying to give Robert rounds in these in, later in the fight, and I still could only give Robert one round. A buddy that I've watched fights with for I don't know how many years, five, six years, shout out my boy Big Humps Trumps, said himself, um, I gave Robert one round and he gave him the fourth round. And he's like, and even give him the fourth round, I don't know. So I gave Robert the second round and that's the only round. He gave Robert the fourth round and that's the only round. I saw some people giving Robert the fifth round. Now, if some person had our collective thoughts in their one brain and went, okay, I'm giving Robert the second, the fourth, and the fifth, I guess you can put that together. I just don't know how I sat in a room with six fucking people and all of them, I respect their fight opinion, and every person went, yeah, Israel won that fight pretty easily. Don't, not it just pretty, you know, people won that fight. He won the fight. Uh, if if I wanted to give my scorecard, I would say that Robert Whitaker won the fourth round. Okay. Uh, if I was going to be incredibly generous, I could possibly give him the second. Okay. But I can't give him the fifth because by then, by the fifth round, he's down no matter what. What you're trying to do is win. So you have yeah. to go and you have to try to be dominant. And you have to try to show that you are controlling the cage. You have to show that you're the one throwing the, the more uh, attempts. you got to be the one that's trying to win the fight. And I don't believe that he went into the fifth round trying to win that fight. And then what you have happened is you have a very lackluster fifth round between Adesanya and Whitaker both. And when that happens, you automatically give that to the champ. There's no way Robert Whitaker won that fight. And I don't believe it's trendy to just say, oh, well, my, my scorecard was different. I just believe that Robert Whitaker is a very, very well-liked and respected person in the fight game. And I believe that his stands are very high on Robert. And they love themselves some Bobby Nucks. Nothing wrong with that. And they were just trying to basically defend their boy. But, folks, I love Bobby Nucks also. I think he's a great guy. He's a great person for the ambassador sport. of the sport ambassador thank you that's great that's a much better word than i used uh and i believe that he is still better than probably 90 percent of the other middleweights in that division but he just simply cannot Not with adesanya and i and the reality is and this is gonna be my point here it's fucking the entire division for the last four years three years, four years, and this is why they've been asking for him to go up to 205. And this is why, in my opinion, after he beats Cannoneer, because I do think he beats Cannoneer pretty easily, there's no fights for him to make now. He is Anderson Silva. He's wiped out the division twice in some people's eyes because he's beat guys in rematches. 
I don't want to see him fight Paulo again. I don't want to see him fight Robert again. I don't want to see him fight Gaslam again. I don't want to see him. Uh, so who who's he going to fight? Is Marvin Vittori going to go on some type of three or four win streak here to where maybe he's the guy again? Again? Israel has cleaned out this division. And credit to him, like I said, it's the same thing Anderson Silva did. But what do we do with Israel moving forward? Do we give him super fights at 205? I don't want to see him fighting champions that are guys that are 230 pounds cutting to 205. They're going to be able to easily take him down like Yant did because that, that doesn't prove anything to me. I need to see him in super fights, like let's say against someone like Yiri, shit like that. Uh, um, I don't know what they do with Israel here. Jess, what are you thinking? So here's what I would like to see happen with Izzy. I think that... You're right. First off, you're you're right, 100%. I believe that uh, that Izzy Adesanya has completely cleaned out his division. There is no uh, nobody else. He said it himself. He goes, "I want to lap my competitors in this division." Well, I believe that this win over Robert Whitaker has accomplished that. So to come back and fight a Vittori or someone or even a Cannoneer, uh, I, I just don't know if that really boosts his stock anymore i think the only true way to boost his stock is to either move down but mm. he already said it a thousand times i will not fight my my, my buddy Usman. yeah i think it's just nowhere but i would fucking pay a hundred and fifty dollars to watch mm. that fight you know what fight i'd pay to see what him versus colby i'd love that fight uh colby would put on a show but he would lose and you, don't, you don't think Colby? You don't think Colby would be able to fucking get that uh, run the pipe takedown? He would lose. Colby wow. would make it a fight. He would make it a fight because Colby's a grinder. And, and now, Colby's, what, Colby's coming into that fight, hundred and eighty pounds, hundred eighty five pounds. He's not going to be one eighty five. If he is, I'd be shocked. He's going to be beefed up. He's not. He's going to be. Fu- he's going to be strong. Man, I love that fight, Jess. Now maybe he gets knocked out. Maybe he gets knocked no. out. He loses though. That in my in my like, he probably does get knocked out. But God, I love that fight. It would be a, it would be a fun fight, and people would pay for that fight. Also, I'm just saying, like fucking a. if you want money fights, which is where Izzy's basically at. Like, I'm sorry, I with with all due respect to Jerry Cannonier, he he wouldn't get knocked out. I don't I don't I don't think he would get finished. I by think him. I think he does. I'll be, but, I, but I think I think that. Cannoneer's style is like a bull in a china shop. That's Izzy, why he gets knocked out. Izzy loves that type of competitor because they're constantly coming at him, and Izzy can now pick him apart, and pick his shot, pick him apart. He's gonna he fucking, he's gonna move side to side, and he's gonna pick you apart. You know, fucking so break your legs down. Fight. I believe that if you don't drop down to one seventy and fight Usman. Then you have to go to 205, where he's already fought once, but he still came in super light against Yang. I think you come in, let him have a proper training camp, three to six months long, where he can properly add weight, and then get his timing right, keep his body in check, keep his speed, keep his gas tank high, and then let's go and throw him into some 205s. Uh, I had some 205ers up, and I'll get my computers crashed. One of them was Yuri. I love the Yuri fight. One of them was Anthony Smith, just because that's a 
fucking love fight. that fight. That's a fucking weird Why are you fight, not right? being paid by the UFC right yeah, now? Because I'm doing this podcast. Good like, lord, that's a how, Isn't that fight. a fucking interesting fight, though? God, I love that fight. There was another 205 fight I have on my computer crash, and we spent a lot of time on MMA. So if, if you have no more Izzy fights, I think it's Super Bowl time. Let's move into Super Bowl. Give me your give me your thoughts on the Super Bowl, Jess, because you had an interesting uh, text today to me, and I and I want you to start there. <laughs> the Super Bowl was super mid, <laughs> super mid. Okay, so let me say this in defense of the Super Bowl. I mean, they've done whatever thirty five of them or forty of them. There's probably more mid ones than there are great ones, right? Did oh. were we teased by such great wild card games and divisional playoff games that we finally got to the one game and it's like twenty three to twenty or whatever that fucking score was, and we didn't really have a lot of fireworks. And then, like every Super Bowl, they're just stretched out by that extra forty five minutes or an hour. And it just makes it feel fucking mid. It was about as mid of a Super Bowl that I've seen in quite some time. Folks, this wasn't two great defenses battling it out, okay? It wasn't number one and two defense in the league. It was literally two offenses that are known for the big shot. They are known for that big play, the explosive plays. Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty. Mm-hmm. Joe Cool the third. Let's go with Joe Shiesty. Joe Burr. Oh. Nothing. Except getting his ass handed to him because his offensive line can't keep him upright for a half, yeah. a half of the game. And then on the other side of the ball, we have the Los Angeles Rams playing a home game in the Super Bowl with celebrities everywhere. Not one mask in the in the entire stadium. Oh, don't do that, Just Jess. Out there. And you've been, everybody, you've been bleeding into this goddamn political all eyes, all eyes looking at Matthew Stafford and OBJ. <laughs> because we all love the redemption story. Jay, we just said it earlier. We love the redemption story. What an incredible story. And, and what, what a way to end. Was this. I thought that I was making people money when OBJ had four catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. I was like, this man. That MVP was his. It was his. It's moving on. And then the worst of the worst happens. We find out later today that he's believed to have torn his ACL. Yeah. Retour. I heard retour retour the ACL he tore last time, which is even worse. Just got to tell you right now, fuck artificial turf. I think it's. It is a bitch. You can't cut properly. dude. You can't, you ever, it's just so difficult. It's so you, difficult. Have you ever ran? It. You've ran. You've ran on artificial turf. I, right? I've I've played uh, back. Oh wow! Turf when um uh in my high school division, my high school was one of the first to have an artificial turf field. No shit. Yes, and then, and then when I played college ball, which was brief. Don't <laughs> don't get any delusions yeah. Rangers here, folks. My my college ball playing was one year. Uh, it was also artificial turf. And you hated it. I hated it. And so I was what? a defensive lineman. I couldn't stand it. Oh, okay. That couldn't makes sense. So I've, I've never ran in cleats on artificial turf. But with my son playing peewee football, we were fortunate enough to go to high schools that had artificial turf. And I was always just amazed by it. And But, I, but when I – as I watch these games, I never saw a kid get hurt due to artificial turf. So it was impossible for me to say, well, this and that, you know, uh, cause and effect. But the NFL, I mean, it's just there. It's documented. There's cause and effect that tur- the disaster turf 
has caused some ACL tears to defensive backs, linebackers, and the not. So yeah, there, there's some there's some interesting shit there. I don't think the league will ever change. No. Maybe, but it's cheaper. I doubt it. It's cheaper. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, it's, more it's, it's more expensive to lay in, but then it's cheaper to take care of afterwards. And also, you got to keep in mind with some of these stadiums. I mean, if they're doing uh, a football Show. game on Sunday and then a rodeo on Tuesday, like you just can't have natural grass in a fucking stadium. Uh, so, but <laughs> so, to, to continue, let me say this. Though. Let me say this. Let me say please, this. Please, man, if that fucking OBJ prop bet hits. That's all you're hearing from us for this entire hour, by the way, is how right we were. But we were wrong. We so were on. So we're no, not. Man. We were Artificial really on something. Stole Let me my, tell you. It stole my That's bet away. It stole all your money away. It wasn't man. me, folks. That bet was good. It was on track. For- we felt, I'm telling you, when we gave it to you, we were feeling really we good. When it was hitting, when he caught that touchdown, I, I threw it on I threw it on the fucking t- Twitter. I said, there you go, guys. Get ready. Fucking cash them tickets. Jay's doubled down on two touchdowns. Then, not looking so bad after that. And first then not only that, Stafford throws an interception. And I go, well, fuck. Now Stafford's starting to throw interceptions. So he's not going to be the MVP. Because once you throw an interception, that shit gets thrown up. You throw two. You're definitely not going to be MVP. But by the time you threw the second one, it was too late. OBJ was out of the game. Um... Let me say this. This game was won and lost in the trenches. It's a fucking, it's the most football thing to say, and you've probably heard it all day. I don't want to give you, I don't want to regurgitate takes you guys have probably heard on other podcasts and other television shows because the Super Bowl is the most talked about one individual football game. But this game was won in the trenches, and the fact they did not give the uh, Super Bowl MVP to Aaron Donald, it's not a highway robbery. Because Cup was just so good. But if it went to anybody else, it would have been. Because Donald just dominated this fucking game. And we will always look. I'm jumping around here. We'll always look at that last drive. Those last two plays, right? The third and short and the fourth and short. Where he just basically made the two two definitive plays that, that ended the game. But that guy was a wrecking ball the entire game. And the Bengals completely changed their offensive thought process and went we have to be a short pass screen four five wide receiver type of set team where we are getting rid of the ball as soon as it snapped as opposed to doing what they did all year which is letting Joe Shiesty give him a second or two let him extend the play and let him throw deep the one time he was able to extend the play they threw that fucking bomb and he got 75 yards so, I mean, the the kid clearly has the skill set, uh, but but Jess, I mean, Donald was just an absolute fucking animal this game. Aaron Donald in this Super Bowl, if anything else, did two. <laughs> One definitively showed that he is the best defensive player in the league. Mm-hmm. Yep, not, yep, best defensive player in the league. And if people want to make an argument that he's the best player in the league, there's that. I, I think he can. I really think he can. This, he's he's prime Reggie White. He's he's prime, and he you know, doesn't play in the sexy position. He that's plays that interior defensive line. Usually, you see that Reggie White right he plays the end. You had the Von Millers, you know, playing on the outside linebacker stuff. 
those are the sexy defensive uh, positions. He plays interior defensive lineman. It is not a sexy spot to be. You typically don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And if you do, you're not getting the sacks on the quarterback. You're, you're pushing the quarterback into other sacks, the defensive ends or your uh, linebackers that are coming around. Aaron Donald can do everything and anything that any defensive player on the field can do. And he can do it well. And so number two, he definitively to me showed that he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his name is called. He will yeah, I don't even think I don't even I I don't even think that that's up for debate. And speaking of Hall of Fame, when you look at uh, I believe it's Bryant Young's numbers, right? The yeah. defensive tackle from the 49ers that made them. Right. Yeah, and he deserved to get in the Hall of Fame. And there are a lot of people that listen to the show and probably are in their mid 20s, early 20s, and they go, I don't know who the fuck that is. This guy was just as good as Aaron Donald was, and this guy got 90 sacks from the same position that Aaron Donald is. And anybody with 90 sacks in that era of football, when they didn't throw the ball 30-plus times a game, is fucking remarkable. Um, so shout out Brian Young for getting into the into the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Shout out everyone that got to the Hall of Fame. They all deserve it. I'm glad Vasily got in. I'm glad Sam Mills got in. I'm glad all these guys got in. But um, Aaron Donald, again, we're not going to sit here and, and, and just blow the guy, blow the guy, but it's obvious here. The football eye, the football nerd, the Chris W. Power, shout out to him. The coaches that watch tape, the high school coaches that go, hey, kid, look at, watch this guy, but watch this guy. He is truly an impact player and made an impact on the two biggest plays of the game, which were the third and fourth and short uh, at the end of the game. Um, I don't like to say that there are isolated plays that won or lost the game, right? We can sit here and point at penalties. There's a missed penalty on the face mask, right? There's a missed uh, penalty on the face mask on the long touchdown. There was a terrible, terrible penalty on third and short where Cooper Cup got a flag there because he was covered by a linebacker. I mean, just a fucking terrible call. It was um, the linebacker. Uh, I can't remember the kid who did it. I believe it was. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his but, name either, but, but he's he, having a great game. He played that play perfectly as well as you can fucking possibly play against Cooper Cup. And he that was a clean that was a clean call. Yeah, ref got nervous. Ref got nervous, urinated ref all over himself, nervous. blew it. Yeah, but that, uh, but and, and, but and let's not, not forget, it's in LA. Mm. LA is driving for the win in LA. I'm not saying that that has a lot yeah. to do with anything, but it's just <laughs> something to keep in the back of your head. Anyone that argues they've swallowed the whistles all night and you blow the whistles now, well, I mean, you got a very good point. It's difficult to argue against that, but it, it's it's such a weird gray area. And I agree with you. I I go more to the officials are going to give that offensive player the benefit of the doubt against that defensive skill position. Anytime they see a linebacker guarding a, a wide receiver and then it's Cooper Cup, and they're going to go, he didn't catch that. Now there's got to be some PI in there. I just got to throw this flag. <laughs> the, the, and I just missed it. Um, Jess, do you have your computer up? I don't. Okay, don't worry about it. I'll do it. Um, I wanted to pull up Cooper, Cup, Cooper Cup's numbers this year because he has had the most ridiculous year of any player within the last, I can't tell you how long. And I was looking at his numbers from this season. 
Jess, this guy has had one of the most remarkable receiving. Uh, I've, I've got his numbers if you want them. Can you pull up his numbers plus yes. his playoff numbers and combine them? From this playoff numbers also, huh? Damn. No, no that's that's enormous. So he has 145 catches, I'm, I'm pretty sure. 1947 right? yards. And 145 catches, right? 45 catches. And then how many touchdowns? 16 touchdowns. And now give me his playoff numbers. Playoff numbers. Now, see, you're just asking for so much. All this I'm time. so sorry. I'm a terrible friend. Just asking for so much right now. I'm trying to pull them up as well, but my computer is just such a piece of shit right now. It just keeps crashing on me. I'm using my kid's laptop. I think it's got too, I don't know if it's got too much porn on it or what the fuck's going on here. I'm trying to go to the playoff stats and they just refuse to come up for me. I got <laughs> stats. I just need playoff stats. Um, so his run has been so fucking remarkable. And now they're finally coming up for me here. Uh, in the three games or the four games he played, I believe he had 18 catches, six touchdowns. So let's add those together please and that's going to put him well over 2500 yards over 20 touchdowns one year that's unbelievable all right and by the way i have the numbers up here um is there any way i can throw out throw out the asterisk anywhere no this is this is a it's a completely different day of football it's a different time a different era the passing game is all that really truly matters and four just, ca- uh, th- four, by a, the way i'm sorry a whole extra game to the season now you have quarterbacks so cool. who, quarterbacks used to hit to hit five thousand yards yeah as a good, quarterback good new we're talking like damn right now every quarterback your top Six quarterbacks are in that forty-five to five thousand yard range. Your wide receivers are in that twelve to fifteen to seventeen hundred yard range. I'm in. That's just going to be me playing devil's advocate. Yeah, but but to to step back a minute to see what Cooper Cup has done this season. Not just this season. People forget he has been one of the most solid receivers. It's his last three years. One of the most solid receivers since coming out of Eastern Washington. Okay. Let me let me let me make this argument. Okay. It's this. His last three years, and two of them were with Jared Goff. Let's start there. Um, he had a 90 90 catch season, a 90 catch season, the numbers that you just gave me this year with Stafford. And then in the four games in the playoffs, he had 42 targets for 33 catches. He had 40 478 yards. And he also had six touchdowns. That's insane. And so now add those numbers all together here, Jess. Again, his 145 catches plus his 33. So now we're at 178 catches. Now he's over 2,000 yards receiving, I believe, right? Because you said he was at like 15 or 1,600. Yeah. And plus the 478. So now we're over 2,000 yards. And now we're over 1,900 yards in the regular season. So now we're over 2,400 yards receiving. We have 190 catches or 180 catches. Jeez. And we have 20 touchdowns. Bro, that is me on a creative player playing Madden and Mahomes is my quarterback and I'm the wide receiver. Are you Uh, fucking kidding me right now? Cups on another level. And that's why him getting the MVP of the Super Bowl, I was not. No, he deserves it. I mean, outside of. Outside of Donald, and when again, OBJ, when OBJ down, 
I believe that there was probably a shit ton of LA Ram fans that were like, fuck, I don't know if we're going to win this game. We're down to Cooper Cup. We don't have really any other receivers out there. And not just you know, that, Jess. Not just that. The Bengals go up and the Rams offense just goes mama mid. I mean, they were stagnant as fuck. Yes. And that's when I'm assuming the Rams fans start going, well, what are we going to do here? We're in fucking trouble. Rams or Lions, I'm sorry, Lions. I'm thinking of Stafford. Rams get the ball with whatever it was, was seven or eight minutes, and then they do that 15 play drive or whatever it was. And Cooper Cup's got his hands all over this drive. He's got a jet sweep. He's got a short catch. He's got a long catch. He's got a PI in there. He's got the touchdown pass. And, and here's here's the he's thing. just all over this drive. Here's the thing with Cooper that I really love. One thing that he's really improved. I mean, like by leaps and bounds, is his yards after catch. Uh, he's no longer just that slot guy who goes in, picks up that six or seven yard pass and gets tackled or goes down so he doesn't get hit by the linebacker in the middle of the field. Yesterday, what we were seeing in the Super Bowl is him catching three, four, five yard out passes and being that that security blanket for Stafford when nobody else was around and then still managing to take that four yard pass and pick up 10 more. He was doing it consistently all game long. And it's just hard, man. You, you look at the guy. He's not the biggest guy on the field. He's Some would hey. argue that he's not the, the fastest guy on the no, field, so, although that motherfucker is quick. Don't Yeah, don't so. Wrong. But he can do things with the ball after he catches it, and those are the things that I believe make him special. Jess, here's the thing that I, was, I heard um, one of these fucking defensive backs on the radio today. And he said, uh, here's the thing no one talks about. Cooper Cup's actually strong as a motherfucker. He's one of the strongest wide receivers in the league, and no one talks about how strong he is. And that's the reason he's able to get the separation. That's the reason he's able to break the tackles. That's the reason he's able to be as good as he is. Um, there was a route he ran last night where he just – he pops out of the route, and he's in one gear. He moves into his route and he goes into a second gear and then just full fucking sprints into that third, fourth, fifth gear. And right as he makes his turn, the ball's there. It's just so fucking perfect. It's unstoppable. Um, I want to do some Bengals takes, Jess, because we're spending a lot of time on the on the Rams. But the uh, we got to put some time in. It's doom and gloom time for the Bengals. Uh, Jess, over or under uh, the next five years, did the Bengals make it to another Super Bowl? Under. Yeah, that's tough, right? You said it yourself. You sent out a tweet last night that made the most sense of any tweet out there. Thank you. Game post Super Bowl. You said uh, somebody had made a mention about Joe Burrow's young. He's still got time. The Bengals can add pieces. Yeah, everyone always comes back, right? It's always, but, we'll be back. We'll be back. Right? This that's what Marino the, said. This is the point. Exactly. Marino said the same thing. It never happened. We're also looking at a uh, uh, NFL league that is so jam packed with young, up and coming quarterbacks, young and up and coming teams. The Buffalo Bills have their stamp, you know, in the league right now. The Kansas City Chiefs are not going anywhere. Don't get that twisted. You've got Lamar Jackson, who played broke last season, and over half his team on both sides of the ball played broke as well including losing guys to COVID every single fucking week. The Ravens are going to be back in the mix. Yeah. If the Indianapolis Colts can get fitted with the right quarterback. Yeah, Wentz they, is out. They, I heard they're cutting Wentz today. They will be in the mix. Uh, I mean, you can look across the spectrum of the AFC. Justin Herbert and the Chargers are a couple pieces away from being in that spot. Can I give you another team? 
give me another team. Let's hear it. What happens if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver? There you go. The the Denver Broncos have solid defense, and they've got really good, of good young ass wide receivers too. That Aaron Rodgers can just toss dimes to all day long. And I hate to actually say this, but I'm fucking going to, and I'm choking on my words. You're but kidding. if Mac Jones takes oh, a step Jesus. up, the Patriots can still be in the playoff hunt. The Cincinnati Bengals. I'm telling you, they are not in trouble, but they are kind of in trouble. I feel bad picking against them almost every week. And and they become the lovable losers. We're rooting for them last week, even though we all said the Rams were going to win. And uh, here we are just fucking dancing on their grave. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the under as well. And I love Burrow and I and I love Jamar and I'm not falling off of any of the things I said. But uh, Super Bowls don't come around all the time. And I heard Steve Smith say, you know, I got to a Super Bowl early in my career and we lost against the Patriots. And I thought, that's all right. I'll be back. And then I never went back. No. Even getting to the playoffs isn't easy. And when you're in the AFC North and the bank, and I'm sorry, and the Steelers can always get better. They're Lord knows. Lord knows. Tell me the the Pittsburgh Steelers have the talent again on both sides Mm -hmm. of the ball. They just need that youthful quarterback, and they have an elite coach and coaching staff. They get that right quarterback in place, man. And I'm just saying the competition for the Steelers to get back to where they were yesterday is going to be so difficult for them. They they need that young coach and his name's Grappler. <laughs> and here's the other thing too. Not that Zach Taylor won't get an, uh, an extension, but this was his last game. His This was his last contracted game with the Cincinnati Bengals. Will he get a, an extension? Most likely, yes. Take a team to the Super Bowl and not get an extension. But I'm just saying there's so many uncertainties in the NFL and injuries, you lose a player to trade, you lose a player to free agency, you can't get in the right uh, players to fill those spots again. You can't continuously expect Joe Burrow to just throw 145 passes a year to fucking... I'll, I'll simplify it. I'll simplify it. You can't expect him to be a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson back-to-back-to-back weeks every single week to get to a Super Bowl when the stakes are the most heavy. Especially when we just watched him get sacked 22 fucking times this in the last three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's just, it's it's not going to happen. Just speaking of odds, and I think we're rounding third and heading home here, I've got the odds up for the 2022-2023 season. I are do you as- ready? Are you yeah. ready for the first five teams? Well, you got him up. Are you ready? Number five, the Los Angeles Rams. They just fucking won the Super Bowl on their five. How is that possible? Oh, no, wait. I see somebody dropped here, but I'm going to throw them in here anyway. They dropped, but they're still here. Um, it's Tampa Bay at four. But they dropped. They were a, th- they were a plus 1,000, and now they're a plus 2,200. And I see like Dallas and San Francisco's moved up there. So I see Cincinnati, I see San Francisco, and I see Dallas all at a plus 1400. So I would say they're right there. Um, I see Green Bay. And then the top two teams, Jess, and I know you see this, they're both right there at a plus 750. The Kansas City Chiefs and your Buffalo Bills. 
that's that's where it's at. Let me give you this is from Sports Illustrated. This is their odds for next season. Starting with number five is the San Francisco 49ers at plus 1400. And then miraculously, and I know that it's based off of just what's happening now because that's mm-hmm. the kind of world we live in. Yep. But the Cincinnati Bengals are number four at 1,200. Mm. After that are the reigning, now defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams at plus 900. Then my Bills at plus 700. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at plus 650. Oh. Um. In that mix, in that mix, in that top ten, you got teams like the Packers, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Broncos, Ravens, Titans. But folks, this is early, early shit. Things will change. Free agency starts here in a few months. Jess, do you have while, while you're looking at these all over the place? While you're looking at these, are there any of these that you would look at and go, "Hey, you know, it would be wild to throw some money on"? Because I can tell you right now, I'm already looking at one. I mean, there's definitely teams. I mean, can I give you one right now? Give me one right now. The Chargers are at plus twenty five hundred next year. Where are the Cardinals at? Right under that, plus twenty five hundred. I would be willing to put money on the cards. Jesus, see, so you're, so I'm, and I like the Chargers. So I did. You read that whole thing about uh, Kyler Murray though? Or he's unhappy. He's not happy. He's pissed off. I did. did. So I don't know. Real quick, the league quick. is all about youth right now. The yes. youth movement is is in full effect. And today's youth is different than 10 years ago's youth in the way that people think. And Kyler Murray, I'm not saying he's a spoiled brat, but I'm saying that there is a possibility that maybe the Cardinals franchise is saying, hey, Kyler, you fucked up, bro. You lost us that game. We should have won. We should have moved on in the playoffs. And because of you and your style of play and your erratic throws, that's what happened. We lose. And there is a possibility that Kyler would be upset about that. I would be upset about yeah. that. But here's the difference. If you're Aaron Rodgers and you lose a game like he did last year, like he did this year, you don't make it to the big game. You just kind of brush it off. You've been in the league for a while. You understand how the league works. You understand that other things can happen. Again, lots of uncertainties. Lots of things change. You just move on with life. Kyler Murray's in his, what, third year now? He's a young guy. He's still managing his professional football life. And this is just one of those bumps and bruises along the road that he's going to have to manage better. And I believe that he will. I don't think that Kyler Murray's a spoiled brat. I honestly just think that he's a little bit uh, bombarded with uh, social media and all these other things, media people talking about why or why they, they didn't get to where they were supposed to be. And yes, Jay, I believe you said it earlier. The quarterback position is the most posi- uh, important position on the field. If you win, it is because of you. If you lose, it is because of you. And that's something that Kyler's going to have to learn. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, whoever let this story leak just did a bad job of protecting the house. Absolutely. Um, you, you can't let – if it's Kyler's people, then it's an intentional leak. And then if the return served from the organization is, well, fuck you. We'll just think that you're a bit of a baby and a diva and, and, you're a, and you throw hissy fits when you don't get your way, then that's just bad business by both sides. I hope that's not the case. But, I, I, I mean, Arizona Cardinals don't have a history of being like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I don't know. I think it's a only time will tell, but I agree with you. Hey, hey you're a young quarterback. You're going to take those L's. 
all young quarterbacks that get blown out in the playoffs are going to have question marks, and people are going to say, well, fucking what happened? So, I mean, Kyler, get used to it. You, you go into the playoffs next year with high expectations. You get blown out by a team that eventually wins the Super Bowl. Same thing's going to happen. Yeah, you can't really hate on the fact that the team you lost to was the eventual Super Bowl champion. Quick, uh, quick basketball take, and then we're out of here. Ooh, real quick. This is the quickest basketball super, take of all time. Super, super, super early. Yes. Top two contenders for the Super Bowl next year. Oh, next year? I thought we just did that with the picks, with the, with Vegas picks. No, I uh, thought we just did money. A, 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 I have no, it's way too early. Way too uh, early. I'm going to go Kansas City because I'm just, I'm just going to keep picking Kansas City. And uh, NFC, God, man, I have no fucking clue. I mean, I, I hate everybody in the East right now. I would not pick the fucking Cowboys. Uh, I don't like anybody in the South. I don't. I don't like the Niners. Um, I don't like Green Bay. I don't. I. I, I want to see where Rodgers goes. If Rodgers stays in Green Bay, maybe Green Bay has a has a chance. Shit, I don't know. I hate everybody. I'm gonna give you my picks right give now. To me. Way, way too early picks for the Super Bowl next year. The Buffalo Bills, of course. I'm on. I'm. Part I'm so off part the part Cowboys. The only no, man. Here's, here's the only, my thing. No, let me say this. Let me say this. The only chance that the Cowboys get to the Super Bowl is if Sean Payton is the coach and fucking McCarthy's not, and that's not happening next year. Look, we all know that McCarthy is mid, super yes. m- m- mid, but he's got so much damn talent on that team. That team's gonna be better. Michael Parsons, I believe, is gonna be even better. He's got his first year under his belt. The, the rookie jitters are gone. He's going to move in next year wanting to be that defensive player of the year, not just rookie defensive player of the year. Uh, you got uh, Diggs out there on the corner. He's going to play better. He's going to get smarter. He's not going to – he's going to learn to maybe make tackles more instead of letting passes go over his head. Dak Prescott is going to Dak Prescott because I firmly believe that he's a top five motherfucking quarterback and mm. no one's going to change my mind about that. I love Dak. I have for a long time. I think he's a tremendous leader in the locker room, and I think that he's got arm strength, and he's got that Russ Wilson uh, legs underneath him. And the offensive line is still there. Uh, Presuming no major catastrophe and injuries happen, the Dallas Cowboys are set to make a huge run next year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not touching it. I uh, I tried to win you over, man. I'm I'm glad that you did. I'm I'm trying to give you this love right now. I I am done being teased (laughs) by this team. And until I see them in the Super Bowl, I'm gonna stay there. Also, um, I now the the more and more and more I think about it, um, if Eric Donald comes back to this team and they're still pretty front loaded, I can see LA making a run. But I, but I, so I so if I so gun to my head right now, I'm going Chiefs, and I think the Rams come back. But that's I'm looking at the same roster here, and Donald's back, and Cups caught another 175 fucking balls. Um, all right, hey, we're abandoning the NBA take for next week. We'll do a bunch of NBA next week. All right, we'll do that. Hit the plugs. We'll do that. Folks, uh, we went long with Super Bowl stuff, but it is the end of the NFL season officially. So, okay. so it, it was deserving to go long. Uh, we gave you USC stuff. Um, we'll talk more next week, and we'll start getting into the NBA, especially now that the All-Star break will be over by the time we come back. And then we can officially start getting into the the, the deep Real end of the NBA season. We'll talk some of these major trades, the Harden-Ben Simmons stuff. There were trades all over the place that just yes. happened. 
But if we would have went through everything, we probably would have done a three fucking hour show. Next week will next week will be today. a big NBA show. Be ready yes. for the big NBA so, show next week. With that being said, folks, please go to our Twitter pages, which is where our social media resides. You can follow Jay at Valdez spelled backwards five five nine. You can follow me at JTT81. And please go to the pod, which has, by the way, been getting more follows. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, at Team Toss21. Folks, again, we'll be back next week. Hit us up on Spotify at That Other Sports Show. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts at That Other Sports Show. Or you can listen on Anchor FM if you would like. My preference is Apple Podcasts if you just want to ask. Otherwise, we're done. We'll talk to you next week. Peace, guys.